interest in the following audio recording produced by Chesterton House, a center for Christian studies at Cornell University. Support for Chesterton House comes entirely from listeners like you, and we invite you to help us continue making the recordings of past lectures available at no cost through a donation to the ministry. You can find additional resources and make a donation at www.chestertonhouse.org. This audio recording is copyrighted and unauthorized duplication is prohibited. Questionable, yeah. Um, you're right, I have no intention of speaking about it. Um, the, uh, I think that some of the general observations that I make are not irrelevant to that area, as in any other area. But um, frankly, I find myself overwhelmed with just trying to think about the little everyday technologies that uh, I'm trying to work with. I, I think mainly about the... Uh, the directly digital, uh, the uh, network media, that kind of area I think of as ones that I try to say some things about. And uh, I agree with you. I think it's tremendously important, and we'll have to look to uh, other people for uh, answers to those kinds of questions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Don't deny it for a moment. Um, in my work on surveillance, which I regard very broadly, all kinds of uh, gathering of personal data. Yeah, we do deal with uh, questions of uh, genetic information. Um, yeah, a range of other things. But for, for our purposes today, um, as I say, I think we have uh, not really much time to talk about huge topics. That's yet another one. So get the Chesterton House people to set up a day for um, the uh, biotechnologies. Yeah. <coughs> I agree with you 100%. The question has, yeah, the question has to do with um, relationships, by which I think you're meaning social relationships uh, of uh, an immediate kind, perhaps more than uh, more general. Um, and the question has to do with how much more time we're going to spend talking about relationships themselves. Um, I think that there's a number of issues here. Um, I started by talking about the, the relationality of the, well, the universe uh, and of the earth in its, uh, as, as it is created. And there is a question of relationality overall, such that the world that uh, God makes, so the biblical scriptures reveal, is a world that is intimately related. Relationality is built into it, as it were, because relationality is part of God. God's character is, is plural, one God, three persons. So relationality is a crucial starting point, and I think that's important because that reminds us about our relationships, not just with each other, but with the rest of the relational universe out there and the relation between God and creation, God, and human beings. So that's one thing. Within that, in the sphere of human sociality, those relationships with others, and particularly uh, others close to us, are also crucially important, hence the amount of time uh, spent discussing them and uh, praising them, questioning them, and so on within the same biblical scripture. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a vital question, but it comes in the way I see it within the context of a creation, uh, sorry, a, a relational universe, which is a fundamental point that is missed within 
what you might call modernism, that there's another kind of world that is not thought of in the same relationality and has given us lots of dichotomies that we have to work with, subject, object, and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I, when we talk about microwaves, I want us to uh, enter a little bit more into that, and I'll do a little bit more interpreting and a little bit more suggesting of how those two uh, ways of reading the uh, biblical scriptures and the hermeneutics of our daily devices might come together. So yeah, I do want to talk about it more, but I underscore what you're saying. I think it's tremendously important. Yeah, other comments or questions? Right. Hey. Okay, so the question is uh, whether there <coughs> is whether I meant what I said when I said that there's nothing neutral in this sphere and whether there are um, uh, items such as certain uh, theorems that might be thought of as entirely amoral. The point of what I was saying is the important thing, and we could discuss the details, I'm sure. But, uh, Bob, I think what you're questioning is is really important. I mean, when it comes to a, um, I don't know, I was talking about the iBook earlier on. Within that iBook, there are um, tiny slivers of silicon that have been etched to create the uh, possibility of circuitry and so on. Um, and I suppose you might say, well, Apple computers, that's one thing. They obviously have a particular angle, a particular niche in the market. They are obviously come out of a particular generation and so on and so forth. You can see what we mean by the cultural origins, political, economic origins of Apple computers. But silicon chips, maybe you're saying something similar or could say something similar about those slivers of uh, etched silicon as you could about a theorem. I mean, perhaps you could. But the point of what I was saying is rather that uh, I have encountered too many expressions of uh, technological commentary that appear to want to let us off the hook of ethical scrutiny and moral debate by reducing what we're talking about to mere tools. Um, and that is, that's really the point that I'm getting at. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how, how far I want to uh, pursue precise questions about some theorem or some etched silicon or whatever. Um, a, no, I... I don't think so. As I say, we could we could argue about this for a long time, but let's let's talk about what the sorts of things we've been discussing. Technological artifacts. They all emerge out of some kind of human activity, some kind of human desires, some kind of uh, imagination, some kind of uh, hopes, aspirations. They all relate to alternative possibilities where. Uh, a choice has been taken about going this direction and not that direction. Um, all of them relate to choices, cultural backgrounds, political options, and so on and so forth. So, whatever we might, you know, at, at the, the point at which we might agree to differ on some specific artifact, 
I may, may well still exist. You know, we may still have a point at which we disagree. But I want to suggest that every technological artifact is non-neutral in this sense. It is either directed in some ways that uh, reflect a uh, consistency with divine purposes or an inconsistency. Not that one will be entirely in one and or another entirely in another, but that, that they're mixed up. They, re they represent that ambiguity. They reflect that mixed um, background. So, um, no, I, I, I am arguing that there is non-neutrality in the area that I was discussing, the area of technological artifacts. And that if we look at those origins, I mean, the obvious military origins, for example, of... Uh, the digital technologies that we use today. They're all related directly to <coughs> efforts to uh, either discover things about uh, a supposed enemy um, or they have to do with uh, greater rapidity of communication or whatever. They nearly all have some kind of military background and that produced the sorts of artifacts that we've ended up with. Um, if you look at so many other areas, too, you can see at a more developed level how choices have been made that depended entirely on the political economy of that particular artifact. Why do we drive internal combustion engine vehicles rather than rotary engines? Why do we use uh, electrical refrigerators rather than gas refrigerators? Why do we use VHS rather than Betamax? In every case, it had to do with the research and development that certain corporations could put into the product. And so electrical, General Electric in this case, beat out the competition of superior, in terms of efficiency and so on and so forth, technology in the gas refrigerator to produce what we have today, the electrical refrigerator. Similar story with... Um, whatever else I mentioned, the uh, uh, internal combustion engine, rotary engine, uh, Betamax, VHS. In so many cases, we can see that political economic decisions, whole ways of looking at the world are built in. So that's why, for an, from another angle, I don't think we can just talk about how it is used, because what we have already emerges from a context where it was developed for certain kinds of purposes. And those purposes themselves are open to, amenable to, ethical critique. So I'm inclined to press on the no neutrality for technological artifacts um, line. So the... Okay, so the further question about amorality of uh, certain kinds of theories and theorems. Um, I think we could, we, we probably have to leave the discussion there. We could come back to it. I still um, think that in approaching these things in a uh, general Christian sense, I'm inclined to argue that there are Ontologies and epistemologies that, as Mick Waterstorff puts it, comport better with biblical revelation, if you like, than others. And those would be the background to theorems and 
theories within uh, within the sciences. So I still think that, or someone like I saw a couple of books by uh, Art Holmes on that uh, table over there, and he uh, over many years made the argument that the phrase "God's truth all is sorry, all truth is God's truth." means that, however it uh, came to us, if it is true, then it must relate to a God who is all-wise, all-knowing, and so on and so forth, as its origin. And uh, he, too, makes that argument about uh, um, against neutrality in the area of uh, epistemologies in the philosophy of science. So... I don't know if I'm saying any more than I'm in good company, but um, there are others who take that view, and I think that uh, I think that it can be consistently argued. Anyway, other questions, comments? Yeah. Um, I don't hope That's the question. Okay. Great question. The question is getting bigger and bigger as it uh, goes along. So let me see if I can. Uh, <coughs> Repeat one part of the question. The opening observation had to do with um, the connection between culture and technology, and how in certain kinds of cultures, like a hundred years ago in uh, Japan or in North America, it is a sense in which you wouldn't have any need for uh, giving children cell phones when they go on road trips. They wouldn't have gone on road trips for a start, so you wouldn't need a cell phone to check where they were. So yeah, there's a there's a difference between the that we have to think about connecting the culture and the technology, and uh, that's good. But then your uh, actual question has to do with whether we can go back, and it has a uh, back in time, as it were, to an earlier era, if we regard that as being somehow superior to where we've got ourselves to today. Uh, But then it has a rider to it, which is that, I I hear you saying, if I'm right about God giving us capacities to develop technologically, then there's a sense in which God has permitted some some kinds of technologies to develop, and therefore, uh, should we really just think in terms of going back? So I I hope I've characterized your question right. Um, Having characterized it, I guess we should move on to the next question, because uh, (laughs) that's that's really difficult. Um, I already made several comments that uh, suggested, I think, that merely attempting to put a clock back, as it were, is uh, inappropriate. It's also nostalgic. Um, and I don't think, um, well, we won't start that hair, but um, nostalgia does not seem to me to be a, a very Christian approach to the world. Let me just leave it as a little affirmation for you. Um, and so there is a, a, obviously a certain nostalgia about uh, certain aspects of past times that I don't think should really inform our Christian perspective on the present, except to uh, criticize nostalgia negatively. Um, so much for the uh, good old days. Um, However, if if what I've also said about uh, technological development comporting well or 
less than well with God's designs, God's priorities, and so on, is true, then it may well be that to turn our backs on a particular kind of technological development may not be inappropriate. And I'll come to that in the uh, final little talk. Um, Yeah, just because uh, we have some technological development, however wonderful it may seem, doesn't necessarily mean that it was a good thing to have developed it in a particular way or to have used it in a particular way. And the uh, Isaiah passage I referred you to before, I think, has something to say to um, that kind of uh, that kind of approach. Um, I do think, however, that in all our discussions, particularly of everyday artifacts, everyday devices that we use all the time, we do need to ask questions about how far we're going to go with it, how far we're going to, as it were, let it take us. Now, I'm not using that in a strong sense, but letting it take us somewhere is the way that it sometimes feels. And... um, I think we should raise questions. I'm going to, now that you've asked the question, I'll, I'll emphasize certain things in the microwave talk that will, I think, speak to that. And you can check me afterwards if uh, we didn't get to it. So, yeah, we've got time for another question. Uh, a question relating to uh, <coughs> a, uh, an outlook of Robert Heilbronner from a number of years ago that um, with the uh, growth of contemporary technology, there is a kind of inevitability that we will end up with more uh, totalitarian kinds of uh, governance. Um, good, good question. Um, one, nothing is inevitable until it happens. Two, if we end with deeper. Uh, tendencies towards totalitarianism, it won't be the fault of technologies. It will be to do with the political economy within which they are being developed and used. It will be to do with the uh, forces at work in the world that still actually makes decisions about uh, where we're going. Uh, And it will be facilitated and enabled by new technologies. But they won't be the reason why uh, that occurs. Whether uh, contemporary trends are heading in that direction is, uh, again, takes us a long way from the everyday technologies that I was focusing on today, but it's a great question. Um, Current events in North America and the United States in particular uh, certainly do seem to me to be taking us in a direction towards greater uh, centralization of power and at the same time a, a kind of dispersion of technology. I mean, it's through network technology that actually a greater centralization of power is occurring. Um, Halbrona had more in mind uh, sort of state totalitarianism that was related primarily to the nation state, 
My own view is that it's today uh, the, the larger danger is of a coalition of forces that sure involve the nation state, uh, and especially after um, 9-11 and the opportunities that have been grasped by corporations following 9-11, um, I, I, I think that uh, nation state is clearly uh, more important than uh, or more significant in taking decisions that erode certain kinds of liberties that have been fought for for a very long time, almost above all in the United States. Um, how long that process in its current form will continue, I don't know. Um, and I, but I'm sure that it'll relate to other things as well. I commented on oil wars this morning and uh, had one or two interesting discussions about how far oil depletion has really gone, and that's fine. I'm not making any... Uh, you know, this isn't a papal encyclical. I'm just telling you what seems to me to be the case. And um, sure, we can we can argue about it, but it does seem to me that the evidence points towards the possibility, given current uh, geopolitical forces, of oil wars being significant in the next few decades. And I think it'll relate more to that than, as I say, to mere uh, technological developments. They certainly facilitate it. And they certainly facilitate it uh, through the very things we've been talking about, increasing integration in the case of what interests me in my research, integration between uh, disparate and diverse databases containing personal data. Those are crucial to our choices in everyday life and our life chances. I'll give you the most obvious example immediately after 9-11, what was sought by Homeland Security was uh, some upgrade within FBI, CIA, NSA, or any of those sought immediately? No. They went straight to the corporations that do customer relationship management. It was CRM that they, that they went to first off. And why? Because CRM is far in advance of anything that is done in those uh, quasi-military, military and intelligence kinds of bureaus. And uh, the kind of work that CRM does is to create profiles through the concatenation of data from all over uh, to try to um, uh, find tighter and tighter ways of defining uh, a market of customers. In a sense, the aim is uh, ultimate individuation of the market. So much for the old mass market of uh, 19... Well, Henry Ford. Um, and it's those kinds of techniques that are being sought. And of course, using those kinds of techniques, the corporations can do all kinds of things that are illegal within uh, the uh, realm of FBI or CIA. And who knows about NSA, because we can never know what goes on there. But um, they can do certain things that are not legal under the old Privacy Act, uh, but they can be done legally. And so it was a perfect opportunity. And when perfect opportunities like that are taken so cavalierly with regard to the kinds of liberties that have been enjoyed in the United States until now, I do get concerned about the very question that you're asking. Bit of a convoluted answer, sort of longer answer than perhaps you needed, but um, that is how I would begin to think about it. And I sure think that it's one of the things that as Christian believers we ought to be concerned about, just as 
Christian believers in earlier eras have been concerned about the human person and the uh, kinds of liberties, not just from the nation-state. We can no longer think about the nation-state as the sole means of governance. Governance is now uh, achieved by all kinds of interlocking uh, political, economic, and social forces, including corporations involved in customer relationship management. No good just to think about the nation-state as the place where Big Brother or somebody else like that might reside. It's dispersed throughout all kinds of nodes of power within our world. So, um, yeah, it's a sobering thought. I'm not sure that I agree with Mr. Heilbronner, but I think he was uh, pointing at something that is not irrelevant. <laughs>